The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode 170. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing... The latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks called Mugato Gumato. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thank you. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy. Folks, I want to remind you to like The Secrets of Star Trek on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. Retweet us on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, and let others know about the show. We really appreciate it when you do that. Also, I want to remind you of another show that you'll enjoy on the StarQuest Network called The, Se- the Secrets <laughs> called Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. The Secrets of Jimmy Akin's, no, just, just Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. That's right. Jimmy has this other show, and if you don't know about it, you ought to know about it. It covers all kinds of mysteries, both natural, supernatural, uh, from a faith and reason perspective. And uh, we've had some great discussions lately and some uh, really good stuff coming up. You don't want to miss it. So wherever you find, find podcasts or at sqpn.com slash mysterious. But today we're talking about Mugato Gumato. So, Jimmy, can you give us a quick recap of this episode? Last week on Lower Decks, we got a Mariner Tindy girls adventure. So this week we get a Boimler Rutherford boys adventure. Shax continues to be back, and he is heading the security program again, apparently. So he leads the boys and Mariner and some other people on an animal control mission down to a planet where a Mugato has been unexpectedly detected. Mugatos are the poisonous albino one-horned gorillas from the original series episode, A Private Little War. This time, the Cerritos gang discovers an illegal Ferengi operation on the planet that is farming Mugatos and harvesting their horns as contraband, kind of like rhino horn or elephant tusk is here on real-life Earth. And the Ferengi end up capturing almost all of the away team. Before heading down to the planet, Boimler and Rutherford hear a rumor that Mariner is a black ops super soldier with programmed training that could lead her to snap and kill them all. While on the mission, they see evidence that this is true and suspect Mariner isn't really their friend, but has just been using them as part of her cover as a super spy. But it turns out she is their friend and just started the rumor so that people would think she's even cooler than she is. Ultimately, Boimler and Rutherford save the day by using their nerdy diplomatic skills to show the Ferengi a better business model that will make them more profit if they run a Mugato nature preserve instead of a Mugato illegal horn farm. The Ferengi then release everybody. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Dr. Ta'ana orders Tendi to scan the last remaining crew members who have been avoiding their medical scans, and she proves herself by getting all of them, including the reluctant Dr. Ta'ana herself. 
Tendi impresses the doctor by getting her medical scan, even though it means exploiting the fact that Tendi has broken her arm so badly it results in a compound or open fracture. And then she sneakily scans Dr. Ta'ana as she comes up to help with the hideous fracture. (laughs) The end. (laughs) So I have to admit, this was not as good as other episodes. And Mm -hmm. Mostly because of one scene, I think we could all agree. And we should we should mention this. You know, I I know there are several people like Lindsay Sant with the Catholics of Oz does not let his kids see every episode because there are episodes that have inappropriate. This is definitely one episode that do not let your kids see. (sighs) Depending on their ages and other factors. Sure. Um, This. So I so I don't think this episode is that bad. There's one scene. Yeah. Um, And the rest of the episode is fine. Um, Mm -hmm. In fact, the rest of the episode has good things in it. Um, The one scene is a scene where Mugatos are mating, but it's less explicit than if you watch the Nature Channel. Well, it's more suggestive. Let me finish. It is. It is. We do not see. um, We do not see direct mating on camera. Um, we see things that go around the edge of that, and there is a third Magato present who performs suggestive actions, but it is very brief. And so it is, I, yeah, I didn't like the scene either, but um, but I wouldn't judge the entire episode by it, and I wouldn't say no children under 18, if they, if they can watch the Nature Channel there will be some who parents might find it's it's I just hesitate to make proclamations for every single family. Right. Uh, I would say uh, I would let my kids watch the nature channel, but I wouldn't want to have to explain some of the jokes in that scene right. to my, well, and, and that's a parental choice. They yeah, may not yeah, want to yeah. explain everything. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where I made the qualifier about Lindsay, where he, he stated on Catholics of Oz very recently that he does let his kids watch several episodes, but not all of them because of some of the stuff that's there. And that's why I said, you know, if, if you're like that, don't let him watch this episode. This I, is not one to do that. I never so, I mean, watched, again, this yeah. is advice. This is yeah. advice, you know, obviously parents, you, you know, your children better than any of us do, but you know, yeah. this is, this is just us giving our, you know, my, my feedback. Um, yeah. You know what I think that if you fear that way where you won't let them see other other episodes because of suggestive content, this is one of those that you might want to skip. Apart from that scene, I, it, it was there was there was lots to like about it. The usual lower deck oh, yeah. stuff was was fun. Um, so uh, the last thing I guess I'll say about it is that um, I, I've heard I've never watched Rick and Morty, but I heard some people who were fans of Rick and Morty saying that the who are also the same creators of lower decks, they had a tendency to kind of move in that direction over time of being more suggestive and stuff. And I hope it doesn't do that. I hope we stick mm-hmm. with the formula that has worked for lower decks and not, not push the boundaries uh, in, in that way and, and make right. it, make it something that we can all watch with and not feel awkward yeah. as our kids yeah. are watching it. I, I will say that I have not been pleased that the last three episodes have involved. It, it's hard to say notable content in this area, but some content in this area. Yeah. Mm. We had a Klingon helmet two episodes ago. We had a, um, a Cation scratching post um, mm. one episode ago. And then we actually kind of saw mating in this episode. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't want that trend to continue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, 
<clears throat> let's talk about the rest of the episode. The the title, uh, Mugato Gumato, is a reference, which is a kind of a funny reference. Apparently, DeForest Kelly, who played Dr. McCoy, in the original A Private Little War from the original series, had trouble saying the original name of the creatures, which was Gumato. He <laughs> apparently just could not get it out. So they changed it mm -hmm. to Mugato. But then you're an actor, not a doctor, man. Say the word. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then Shatner and Kelly throughout that episode kept calling it Mugatu. <laughs> it's just yeah. hysterical. And they didn't bother like it's the 60s. They didn't they didn't redo it in ADR, like the the the, the dialogue at post-processing, or they just kept it in. And I, so they and it's a little bit of, you know, tomato tomato. Uh, let's call the whole thing off uh, there. So I, I thought that was funny. Well, and then, well, then there's Boimler and, and uh, Rutherford are sitting there. Uh, Boimler's talking to Rutherford. And it's like, it's amazing. They've got three different pronunciations for it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes, it is amazing. And <laughs> we get even more as we go along. And they play with it so that even the characters on screen are, the, a single character on screen will pronounce it multiple ways and just be inconsistent. <laughs> so, so, like, Shax pronounces it several different ways. Um, they also meet this uh, Tellerite hippie sci biologist scientist guy um, with an Australian accent <laughs> with an Australian accent. Yeah. yeah. Um, his name is Patingi, if I yes. recall correctly. Yep. And he 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 is real. He's a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, they, they're on the run from the Mugatos and Mugatos as these one horned albino gorillas with like razorback horns and poison are actually very effective. I mean, gorillas have always been effective in animation, mm -hmm. you know, when they're like howling and beating their chest and stuff. And seeing a Mugato do that in the middle of a darkened forest is very effective uh, in animation. And the Mugatos were always, you know, kind of memorable from mm -hmm. a private little war. They even put them in the end credits in many episodes. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that scary thing. Um, and the Mugato was kind of a nice sixties for a show without a huge, massive budget. It's an effective, I mean, okay. Albino ape with horns and poison. That's pretty good yeah. as a monster. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so you have the, the Boimler and Rutherford on the run in this darkened forest from a Mugato. They run into this, uh, Patingi guy who is really friendly and seems to know what he's talking about. He explains he's a biologist and I've got five books on Mugo, on, uh, on Mugo toes. <laughs> and, and, and then as they're walking along, he's, he's making these grunting noises. Um, and they're just so impressed with him. They're talking to each other. Isn't Patingi awesome? Yeah, man, he's the best. And um, and he's talking about how as a result of his reading, he's uh, he's like become one of them. And they're saying, can we be in your next book? And he's like, oh, I don't write. <laughs> I've read five books about <laughs> about, about Mugos. <laughs> he's just varied the pronunciation again. I mean, nobody yeah. else calls them Mugotos or Mugos. That's just him and but he says he feels like he can pass as one of them now because he can make their noises and at that point one of them bites his head off <laughs> right <laughs> i was waiting to say i stayed at a holiday express last night <laughs> that would <laughs> a great addition to that yeah it, yeah but it, but we get mugato mugutu gumato mugoto mugos and a few others if i'm not mistaken so the mm. it um 
it has a it, it, the, the episode kind of gets this Jurassic Park vibe to it at, at that point, you know, right around mm-hmm. there. So they've gone in. They're going to uh, break into this compound where the Ferengi are holding all the Mugato. And we see them like pulling a baby Mugato away from its mother. And, and oh, we're very sympathetic. And uh, and then they they accidentally release all the Mugato into the, it, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it like I said, it becomes very Jurassic Park at that point when. I did. I thought there might be more very specific Jurassic Park references. They didn't really go there, but it would have been fun to have a little more of that. But uh, well, it was, it was, yeah. it was great with the Frangie, the Frangie. And they specifically called them this last outpost Frangie. So they were just, just like, you know, the last outpost, the first uh, episode of TNG where we see yep. uh, Frangie. And they're very much like that. They're dressed with like the, the fur outfits. In fact, the head They've ones got actually the, got a Mugato. Yeah, yeah, they got the whips. The head they got the fur coat of the Mugato with the horn and everything and right right yeah and they, they very consciously they call them like last outpost for Frankie which is very fourth wall breaking yeah and they I mean, even said have you heard of Quark <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh well, although I do want to like jump back and talk a little bit about Mariner's uh, the the situation where she's supposed to be like a black ops we started the episode the teaser starts with uh an Enbo Jitsu uh, contest with Rutherford and Boimler versus uh, oh. versus Mariner and uh, they're that like Am- Ambo Jitsu was a sport martial art thing introduced in like mm-hmm. the first maybe second season of Next Gen yeah where Will Riker fights his father using yep. it and it's like oh man what a painful episode <laughs> it was it was <laughs> it's such a it's kind of a dumb sport I mean it's it's sort of you're you have a shield in front of your face. Like you can't see you're supposed to fight by your other senses. And it's like, I suppose it's supposed to recall like Luke Skywalker in the force. Yeah. Except you don't have the force. Mm-hmm. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> this is wrong universe for this sport. Yeah. It's like a combination of like the Jedi training and amok times, <laughs> you know, uh, fighting with those, the, 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 yeah. uh, the, the ball thingies. Yeah. It was very uh, but, weird. Uh, but also just on the plot level, fighting your father, I mean, yeah. literally physically yeah. fighting your father to work out childhood issues is bad television. Obvious. Yeah. Yes. Very. <laughs> well, in this case, this, they, they, they like to, that's one of the things I like about Lower Decks is they take all the things that were kind of like weird, uncomfortable, kind of badly thought out in all the other series and they bring it in and embrace it and elevate it to comedic effect. And that's what they mm-hmm. do with, with the uh, Ambo Jitsu because Mariner goes psycho on them. Like she's like, they're like, we've been working out. We've been, we've been practicing. So you can, you don't have to hold back anymore. She's like, really? And like, she goes nutso on them and really is beating the heck out of them. Knocking yeah, teeth out. At first they, they, they hurt her. They've drawn blood and it's yeah. like, oh, we're so sorry, Mariner. And she's like, this is great. Now I can finally have a real workout. And they've told her she can take the kid gloves off and she's wiping the floor with them. And Rutherford is like, put the kid gloves back on, put the kid gloves back on. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, I love Shax where he's, he's next you know, they, they got 20 minutes and he's next and he shows up and help, help, you know, the help is like, Oh no, you're, you're, you're good. I'm here 10 minutes early. You're, you still got plenty of time. Yeah, right. He's like, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Save me baby bear. So, uh, um, so later on, when Rutherford and Boimler are in the uh, the lounge, the ship's lounge, and they're talking to the bartender named Honus, which the only other Honus I've ever heard of is Honus Wagner, the famous mm-hmm. baseball card, the most the most valuable baseball card in history is Honus Wagner's like rookie card or something. Anyway, mm-hmm. his name is Honus. Is he 
is that an Irish accent or a? No, some... it's meant to be kind of southern. Oh, okay. Was it? I thought I was thinking more <laughs> Boston-ish there, Dom. No, it's definitely not a Boston accent. No, yeah. That's no, I mean, I just it's, I thought it was thinking it was trying to be one. Yeah, that's, it was weird. Yeah, it, it's it's a mixed accent using different elements, but like you'll notice he uses ifen. Oh as, yeah, and um. And it's it's meant to be kind of like an old timey accent, and they've mm-hmm. drawn him as an older man, right? Um, and he apparently is a total gossip. Yes, yeah. uh, like like any good bartender. And so he he's, he's got this rumor that Mariner is a specially trained black op black ops agent who, when the when the her back is up against the wall, she goes psycho and will sacrifice everybody else in order to survive. Uh, and then sites like a previous ship she was on where half the crew disappeared. The Atlantis. Yeah. Yes. And as as he's explaining this to Ruther- to Mariner and Boimler at the bar, Rutherford is in the background at a table. Uh, other by way, her- Mariner's at the uh, table. Mariner is yeah. at the table yeah. by herself playing using a Klingon dagger. To play mm-hmm. a game that, as a kid, I would know as Mumbly Peg, but it is also referred to as the knife game, pin finger, knife fingies, five finger fillet, and the stab <laughs> between the fingers game. <laughs> yep. That's pretty descriptive, the stab between the fingers game, right? So, yeah, and she's playing it at high speed. And it's like, is she section 31? That's what I was thinking. And in fact, Mm-hmm. It's Rutherford later on who actually voices it. You're, she's Section 31, which is kind of funny given that Section 31 is supposed to be so super secret no one even knows the name. And they've well, kind of used it enough a, now. This is yeah. a few years after Deep Space Nine. So, yeah. 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 It, well, they, they even mentioned that about, you know, Dominion War where they had Section 31 spies on all the ships and everything. Right, right, right. Um, so that, and that's. That's what comes up when they're on the surface. They see like they when the there's all the craziness of the Mugatu escaping, they turn and see her stabbing Shax in the chest and then sucking his blood out. And it's like she's eating him. Ah, and they run away. Yeah. Well, it turns out she was, you know, sucking out the she, poison from the Mugatu. She was doing snake bite treatment for him, which, yeah. Which don't do. That is not real. Don't ever do that. Don't ever suck snake bite poison. Uh that's a Boy Scout thing. By the way, um, they also explain why everyone else on her previous ship, the Atlantis, vanished. Um, and mysteriously, because it's not in the Starfleet records, uh, she explains that the entire crew got Kerplikian lice and had to be evacuated. And of course, they kept it out of the formal report. Do you know how embarrassing it would be to for Starfleet to admit losing a starship to lice? It <laughs> <laughs> would be embarrassing. That would definitely be embarrassing. Um, yeah, they, they were also told they can't use phasers on the Mugato because they're endangered. They're an endangered species, so you can't just shoot them. So that comes up. Yeah, um, I, I do like the whole concept of the episode of how oh, great this is an animal control mission. Right. Yeah. And this and in fact, Captain Freeman kind of complains, like, why do we keep getting animal control ops? Oh, it's another one. <laughs> Which is they have had a few of them recently, actually. They've, they've had to, to take care of animals, I think. Um, a Mariner has a good line when she's captured by the Ferengi. She kind of calls out something that that fans have been calling out all along, which is people could just replicate whatever they whatever they want. Why would they buy it from you? You're not Ferengi yeah. aren't very <laughs> yeah. smart. Yeah, uh, specifically the quote is, is she's in a cage that the Ferengi have her trapped in, and she's talking to them, and she says, you know. You guys could just replicate stuff, you know, like the stuff you buy with latinum. You could just replicate. You guys are dumb. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah. There, there also, there's some other great lines in this. I love, um, so on Tendy's personal side mission, where mm. the doctor has tasked her to, to get uh, the scans of all of the crew members who've been dodging them. And we see a montage of her sneaking around, sneaking up on people, getting their scans until she's got one left. And it turns out it's Dr. Ta'ana herself. And Dr. Ta'ana is like, I, why should I see a doctor? I am the doctor. I don't need a second opinion. <laughs> right. And, and she explains that she was, she is impressed with Tendi having gotten this far and now says for her to give up. And in fact, she says, I was counting on you to give up. And Tendi says, maybe the old Tendi would have given up. But a lot has changed since slightly earlier today, (laughs) (laughs) which is an awesome line. And then they play on the fact that Dr. Ta'ana is a Cation. And so she is jumping around like a cat fleeing, (laughs) fleeing, fleeing (laughs) Tendi. And Tendi says, bad, Dr. Ta'ana, bad. (laughs) (laughs) And she's hissing and spitting and clawing at her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that also that also plays into, you know, the, the stereotype of that doctors and nurses are the worst patients. Yes. And it's so true. It really is. Yeah. There I, I like on the planet where after. So um, as Boimler and Rutherford confront Mariner about is she a black ops agent or not? She's gotten her foot trapped in like the 30th equi- or 24th century equivalent of a bear trap. Right. And which is actually pretty cool. I guess the Ferengis were using it to either catch people or mu- escape Mugatos. Um, mm-hmm. But it like you step in it and it traps your your foot in a force field. And mm-hmm. um, and so they're they're talking to her and she tells them that she's not the super spy. They're going to have to be the super awesome secret agents because everyone else has been captured. And so they're lacking confidence in themselves, but they sneak sneak up on the illegal Mugato farm and Boimler and Rutherford are looking down at the complex and they're talking to each other. And um, and they earlier had been playing a a game called Diplomath, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. about negotiating compromises and stuff like if something if we're both unhappy, but we can live with it, it's a success. We've compromised. <laughs> um and uh, and, you know, Mariner rightly regarded that as extremely nerdy. But um, they're as they're looking down at the compound, uh, Boimler says, we do have special powers right here. And he taps his forehead and and uh, Rutherford gets excited and says, our skin. <laughs> <laughs> and and Boimler says, our brains. And and Rutherford quickly says, our brains. <laughs> yeah, brains, right. Brains are inside of our skin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that brains are inside of our skin. <laughs> oh, wow. I was, so, I was just like, what fabulous skin powers were you imagining? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so after it that, can, it can keep bacteria away from our muscles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they did, they end up going down into the camp and they I love the fact that 
what saves the day is essentially the 24th century equivalent of a PowerPoint presentation on the cost benefit analysis of a Mugato preserve versus a Mugato uh, selling for parts. And I love it. Like they're saved by a PowerPoint Mm, and Meredith, like Shaq's like, Meredith, what's happening? Cause he's like waking up and she says, those two beautiful nerdy men are negotiating us to safety using the power of math. (laughs) It's just like, very good. That was, that was very funny. And and I like how at the end the the Ferengi leader is like, well, I'm normally not big on releasing prisoners, but I can't argue with your profit margin. And and Mer- Boimler and Rutherford are like, yeah, we're not. We really kind of should be taking you into custody too, but we want you to stop this. And hey, neither one of us is happy with it, but we can both w- live with it. Compromise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I love that. I love that the projector looks just like the uh, cannon that Kirk found created to be to fight against the Gorn. Right, yeah. right. Like they like they'd constructed a cannon out of uh, you know a bazooka out of the found parts, but instead it was a PowerPoint projector. Uh, one thing we didn't mention at all was this other character called Kink, and he was apparently buying the illegal Mugatu stuff from the Ferengi. And when Starfleet you, showed up, he hopped in his you, ship. You, dude, you just said Mugatu. Yeah, I said Mugatu. Like Mugus. Yeah. yeah, the Mugus. The, uh, yeah, the Mugos. The Gumatos. So he was buying Gumato stuff. And uh, he was, he, and when Starfleet showed up, he hopped in his shuttle and was taking off. And uh, Captain Freeman, who hadn't heard from the, the uh, away team, was like, stop that ship, put it in a tractor beam. And when they did, it started to come apart. And, uh, and it has to beam him aboard. And she's all apologetic. He's like, you destroyed my ship. Well, it turns oh, it's, out it's it's pretty effective. It's like my whole life was on that ship. Well, you can just <laughs> yeah. imagine what they would be like if they destroyed your ship and that's where you lived. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she offers like to compensate him by giving him one of Cerritos's shuttles and and uh, Ransom's like, well, how will we explain that to Starfleet? Well, just tell me lost it in a black hole again. <laughs> because, yeah, he's like, yeah, it wouldn't be the first one. Yeah, you know, the the, the mm-hmm. Voyager shuttle problem. So uh, yep. the so and then he's like, well, what about all my stuff? And and she's like, well, what kind of stuff do you want? Well, and he's looking at her shelves of mementos and starts naming all mm-hmm. the things on her shelves. And uh, later on, when Admiral Freeman, her husband, calls, it's like, hey, don't get caught. By the way, don't get caught by this scam that's going on in that sector by the, the, these people who are stealing, pretending to have their ships destroyed by Starfleet and then stealing them blind. It's yeah. just like, what? And they have to get it back from them. But uh, yeah. 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 Using and then, a, by the a way, junk ship that will purposefully self-destruct. Right. And, and now, now we've got a phrase. So we've had warp factor. Well, now we've got tractor factor. Tractor, yes. tractor factor is how strong the tractor beam is. Yeah. What's yep. the tractor factor? <laughs> Uh, and the, he ends up being instead of being arrested, they sent him to they sentence him to working at uh, Mugato land, uh, shoveling Mugato dung, which is apparently a lot of uh, a lot of it. They make a lot of it. Uh, also, Shaxx really grossly uses the Mugato dung to track them. To, <laughs> we didn't mention that earlier. Samples by, it by twice. sampling it. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, dude, don't. don't. <laughs> I love the reaction of the lower deckers, you know, Boimler or a. Uh, even Mariner looks like she's ready out. to heave. Yeah. She yeah. looks like she's ready to heave right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gross and and funny. Uh, it is a nice illustration though of how hardcore Shax is. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. So and then the episode does end with them back in the lounge, and Mariner is the one who tells Honus, the bartender, about Boimler and Rutherford being the Mugato twins and how they fought off. Like she creates a new rumor that that extols their 
uh, their abilities and, you know, builds them up way beyond the reality. And so uh, that's going to be, uh, you know, a, a fun thing for them for the future. So kind of shows her um, showing her appreciation for them. Uh, yeah. So. Also, something that you may I didn't notice it the first time I watched this, but this, I rewatched it with uh, closed captioning on. And um, twice in the episode at the ends of the two scenes where we have Honus, the bartender, he's talking to someone and we hear an off camera voice telling him to get back to work. And mm -hmm. in in the closed captioning, it indicates that that's like his supervisor. But then when they change the shot and he moves to get back to work, you can't see the supervisor. Right. So right. Uh, so I'm so it's and I, I didn't look up who voiced the supervisor. I'm it may be someone interesting but i'm wondering if they're going to have a recurring gag of the unseen bart the unseen 10 forward supervisor character that will mm. will occasionally hear uh so apparently the the voice is done by the same guy who does admiral freeman so i'm not sure if oh I, but uh but yeah he's mm. he's manager listed as off-screen voiceover manager so uh, maybe that's a thing and we'll get honus as a regular uh denizen of the uh of the of the lounge <laughs> i i have to say i love the lounge's logo have you seen it it's it's the mm -hmm. sweetest logo but instead of uh, a star shooting through it it's a olive on a toothpick uh -huh. yeah <laughs> i i, I kind of want that on a glass or something <laughs> yeah you can get t-shirts with that i'm kind of tempted to but... oh that is good that is good all right anything else to say father Corey? anything left on this so right after the credits, we we see uh, a couple of uh, explorers or a couple, I guess, can call them. I don't know if they're botanists or what they were, but they're uh, exploring the planet. And they're the ones who first find the Mugato and they're Denobulans. Denobulans yeah. Oh, right. The, and they puff up, you know, how the Denobulans faces will puff up. So that's, I think that's the first time outside of Enterprise that we've seen Denobulans. We've yes. heard mentions of them, but that's yep. the first time we've we've seen them. We also, um, and I we think also that, see a Kazinti in the lounge who's a member of Starfleet. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's all I got. All right, Jimmy. So uh, even though Shax is apparently running the security department again, Kayshawn is still on board because we see him in a martial arts session while Tindy is doing her medical scans. Also, we see uh, Stevens again, and he's in the lounge chatting up a an attractive woman and trying to impress her by talking about how he spots um, ransom, I guess, in the mm. gym, um, <laughs> you know, meaning like he, he helps him with the weights. Right. Um, as if that's going to be impressive. Uh, <laughs> but then Tendi sneaks up and scans him and says, oh, you should drink more milk. Your bones are incredibly fragile. And, and he's like, no, they're not. And as he's bending over in, anger at what she said in front of this about him in front of this attractive lady um we hear his his bones cracking <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and he hits his com badge and it's like dr tahana emergency medical transport <laughs> oh my hip i think i broke my hip which is definitely an old person thing <laughs> that was good, that was good. <laughs> All right. I think that about does it for, for this discussion. Uh, so we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including James N., Eric B., Mary N., Jason M., and Tim C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest 
You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What do you think of the uh, this episode, Mugato, Gumato, Mugutu, or whatever the rest we want to say? Let <laughs> us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next week when we, when we will be discussing the next episode of Lower Decks. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thanks, Tom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, and you say Gamato, I say <laughs> Mugato, let's call the whole thing off. That's right. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest, and remember, you want me to see a doctor? I am the doctor. Doctor Who? <laughs>